Hey everybody, thanks for joining us at the Central and Janesville podcast. Please remember to check us out on centraljanesville.com throughout the week. We're excited for wherever God's got you at right now, and we hope this message brings you a little closer. Thanks. Hey Janesville, good morning. We are so glad that you've chosen to join us for church online. My name is Michael. I'm the youth pastor at our Beloit campus, and can I just say that we are so excited that you've joined us. Whether that be on your couch, or maybe you're sitting at the kitchen table together, or maybe you just haven't gotten out of bed yet. Hey, no judgment here. We are so glad that you've chosen to join us. We've been going through this series, and really we've been looking at the attributes of God, right? We've been looking at these attributes of Jesus, answering the question of, Jesus is blank, right? And, you know, one of the things that I love to do with my students is I love to explain the why behind what we're talking about. Right, because it helps them to understand. It helps them to, to focus in more and, and understand why they should even focus in more. You know, John 17, 3 says this, Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. You see, knowing Jesus is a huge part of following Jesus. It helps us to know his character and who he is. It's kind of like this, this puzzle. Every attribute of Jesus that we look at and begin to know more, we get a fuller picture of who he is, and and it helps us to deal with things that are happening in life. So I'm going to pray quick, and then let's jump into another attribute of Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, you are good and gracious. We ask that you show up mightily today, and you'd meet people where they are. God, wherever they are watching this or, or listening to this, God, that you would have something for them, God, and that your presence would be in that place. You want to pray? Amen. You know, this past year, me and uh, one of my really good friends, Isaac, we started a business. And part of starting the business is we got into this thing called a generator. Basically, it's this, this group of people that help start small businesses and, and help you think through things. And one of the things we had to do for this generator is we had to create a mission statement. Now, mission statements are, are crucial to small businesses, to big businesses, to churches. Everything that has some sort of meaning usually has a mission statement behind it. And it's important because it shows people in a brief snapshot who you are and what you're all about. You know, we as a church, we have a mission statement. And it's to know Christ and to make Him known. Here in this one statement, you know that we are serious about getting to know Jesus better and to telling other people all about Jesus. You know, when I served in law enforcement, we had a mission statement. We, we, our mission statement was to serve and to protect. It was on the side of our cars. It was on our badges. It showed everybody what we were all about as a police department. You know, Jesus actually offers us as Christians a mission statement. It comes here and we see it in Matthew 20, 26 through 28. It says this, Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That last portion really is the mission statement of Jesus. If you look at his ministry, if you look at his life, that's what he was all about. To serve and not to be served. You see, this is probably the most single important attribute of God that we can even study. And it's the reason that he's so worthy of our praise. But for most of us, myself included, when we look at that verse and we read it, we kind of read it with like this this clause at the end. And the reason that we read it with this clause at the end is because in most areas of our life, 
people that make these kinds of statements, usually it's attached with some sort of qualifying statement. You know, this past week, I spent an hour on hold with a company. And, and, and usually, I'm not one to complain about being on hold. Because usually, they play a little music. You can set your phone down, uh, you know, put it on speakerphone and walk away. Uh, but this company, the way that they operate is instead of the hold music, they have this pre-recorded voice. And what this voice says is, thank you for your business. Uh, a customer service representative will get to you as soon as possible. And it plays over and over and over again. And so that's fine for the first like five minutes. You're like, okay, whatever. But by 20 minutes, 30, 40, 50, an hour, you start to get mad because you're sitting there going, no, you don't care about my business. There's a qualifying factor here. Yes, you want to serve me well. Yes, you care about my business as long as I'm willing to sit on the phone, right? And that's something we see in all areas of our life, right? We all have that one friend that, you know what, they're there when the times are good, but when it starts to cost them something or it starts to affect their life, they drop you like a box of rocks, right? They're here to serve you as long as it doesn't cost them anything. Or even, you know, we look at marriages, right? Marriage is supposed to be like the closest picture to our relationship with Jesus. You know, the other day, my, my wife, she went out and had dinner with some friends. And so she had dinner and I was sitting there thinking, because I'm a, a words of affirmation guy, I'm going to clean up the entire house and she's going to come home and go, wow, Michael, you're so awesome. You're the best. You see, yes, I was trying to love my wife well, but there was this clause on it, right? I'm here to serve my wife if it gets me a compliment. That's every area of our life we see this. You know, a lot of times we look at that verse like it's this HR department of corporate. Right? Or this like corporate language where it's like, you know what? We care about you. We're here to serve you. We are a family. Um, as long as you're useful to us and you don't take too much vacation time. Right? We've all been in a position like that. You see, this statement that Jesus makes, it's completely unmatched anywhere in our lives. There's not a single area of our life where you see that kind of servanthood. That we see the way that Jesus serves us. And really, it's these two different like paradoxes of what we see in culture and society and what we see from Jesus. You see, society says that service comes at a price and that if that price is too great, then the servanthood, the service is going to leave. But Jesus, on the other hand, he says that the cost of servanthood is, is never too great. That price is never too great and that service is, is never going to leave. And so what I want to do is I want to dive into this paradox and into this really important attribute of Jesus and, and into this story where Jesus, we get a beautiful picture of the way that he serves people. We pick it up in John 13, and, and I, want to, I want to set the scene for you guys. This is a couple days before Jesus is going to be crucified on the cross and die and rise again for our sins, right? This is a couple days before that. And so knowing that this time is coming, he calls all of his disciples to, to this room, to this meal, right? This Passover meal. And in that day, what was custom when you had a meal is you'd have a servant at the door that would wash your feet. And the reason for that was because in that society, they, they did not have any like central cleaning system, right? They didn't have trash. They didn't have plumbing, right? And so the streets were full of manure and and. And there was all sorts of dirt and dust and all sorts of stuff. And so when you'd come to a meal, they, you'd walk in the door and they would wash your feet, right? The servant would wash your feet. And so on this, this day, I picture Jesus 
walking up and seeing the servant and telling the servant, you know what, you can go home. Why don't you head along home? We, we've got this. And I picture Jesus sitting down and watching as every disciple walks through the door. Right? I, I picture him as, as John walks through the door and, and James and Peter and all these different disciples start to walk through the door. And I picture every single disciple stopping and looking at this basin of water that's at their feet and, and looking at the towel and looking around to see where the servant was. The servant that was supposed to wash their feet. And I picture disciple after disciple walking up and doing the same thing where they look around, try to find the servant, and then they walk and sit down. Leaving the basin and the water and the towel just lying there. And I can almost picture the face of Jesus. And the funny thing is it looks a lot like my mom's face when we were kids and we walked past the clean dishwasher without unloading it. As disciple after disciple after disciple walks past and doesn't take this opportunity to be a servant. You see, Jesus, throughout his entire teaching time, his entire ministry, he pushed this thought of servanthood, servanthood, servanthood. He taught these disciples over and over again that, that he came to serve people. In fact, not too long before that, in Matthew 25, 40, he says this, The king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers or sisters of mine, you did for me. Jesus, over and over again, has, has showed these disciples that it's all about serving. That that is the missional statement of what it means to follow Jesus, is to serve the way that he served other people. And so I picture, finally, Jesus has had enough. He's done with this. And so he gets up and he walks over to the basin. We pick it up in verse 5. It says this, After that, he poured the water into the basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. So you, you picture the, the silence in the room as Jesus walks and, and he stops at every disciple and at every disciple, this man who was supposed to be the king of the Jews, this man who was supposed to drive the Romans out of Jerusalem, gets down on his knees and begins to wash the manure-filled, stinky feet of all the disciples. And so he goes from disciple to disciple and finally he hits Simon Peter, the all-star disciple, Right? We see in verse 6, it says this, He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you will have no part in me. You see, there's super important symbolism that's happening right here. J Jesus isn't actually talking about washing their feet. Yes, he's showing them servanthood in this moment by washing their feet, but he's not actually talking about that. You see, he's foreshadowing of what's going to happen, that in the next couple days he's going to die and rise again. He's going to die for their sins, be crucified, and rise again and conquer death, hell, and the grave. And in this one act of service, that he's not only going to wash their feet, but he's going to wash their souls clean of the sin that they are holding on to. There's super important symbolism to what is, is happening here. He says it again in, in, in John 14, 6. Not one chapter later, he says this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Unless I wash you, you will have no part in me. Unless Jesus washes your soul clean, you will have no part in him. 
You see, Jesus ultimately came to serve. The story finishes here in verse 12. It says this, When he finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and your teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set an example that you should do as I have done for you. Now what Jesus isn't saying here is that you're called to wash people's feet, okay? Don't be the dude that goes out on Milton Avenue with a, a, a basin of water and a towel and starts to try to wash people's feet. The cops will get called on you. You see, Jesus isn't saying that. What Jesus is reiterating here is that our mission as Christians, if we are going to be following Jesus, is that we serve other people the way that Jesus serves other people. That that is our ultimate mission as Christians, is to serve the way that Jesus served. Verse 16, he continues on, he says, This very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. You see, Jesus completely uproots everything that the disciples believe here. He disrupts all the culture of that day. Here in this, in this day, kings would kill people for looking at them the wrong way. And yet Jesus, who is this king, is getting down on his hands and his feet and washing these dirty feet. He's the servant king. You see, Jesus' entire ministry and mission on the earth was to serve and to be a servant, knowing full well that the biggest act of service he would ever, he would ever do was going to happen in the next couple days. You know, when I was a kid, my mom and my dad would send us brothers to the store to pick stuff up sometimes. Now, this was before, you know, the before credit cards and debit cards really were a popular thing. And so what my mom would do is she would write out a blank check. So she'd write groceries in the memo line and she would write, she would sign her name. And for my, my younger students or, or, or people that don't know what a check is, <laughs> what this meant was when we went to the grocery store, all we had to do was put the amount in and it could be any amount as long as they had the money for it, right? We would put the amount in and we would buy the groceries with it. And it's a lot of trust, but it's a beautiful picture, actually, what Jesus does for us. You see, Jesus, in this ultimate act of service, he actually gives us a blank check. What do I mean by that? You know, in the book of Romans, it says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, wages, to break this down even further, wages are what we are entitled to due to our actions. So what this scripture is saying is that what we are entitled to due to our actions, due to the fact that we've sinned, is death. Right? That should be the ending of this. If Jesus wasn't a servant, that's where this would end. But because Jesus stepped down and was a servant king and died in our place, what he did was he wrote that check that said, you know what, what sins you've committed, they're covered. They're covered by my grace. He takes that blank check and whatever you have done, big or small, is now completely healed by grace. He writes that check for us. 
You see, because God is more concerned about setting people free than he is about what they've done or the cost associated with their freedom. You see, Jesus is this ultimate act of service, this, act of, this ultimate servant that we follow and that we love. Two things really quick before we close. You know, this past week, uh, my wife and I and our kids, we had the opportunity to, to head to Colorado and go skiing. Um, you know, we, we had this opportunity and my, my parents said, you know what, we'll watch the boys and you guys can go skiing. And so we go skiing, we have this incredible day and we're, we're leaving to go home and we stop at this restaurant. Um, I call it Chipotle and my wife thinks that it's Chipotle, but it's one of the two. But we stop at this, this restaurant and as we're talking to my parents, I find out, horrible kid award, I know, that's my, wife, my, my, my mom and dad's 29th wedding anniversary. So on their anniversary, my mom and my dad spent that time, instead of being with each other, they spent it serving me and my wife and our, our boys, their grandkids. They spent all that time serving them. And I, I felt absolutely horrible about it, but I want you to understand these two things. The first thing is, is, is this. I don't look up to my parents because they hold the title. Right? I don't look up to my dad because he holds the title dad or my mom because she holds the title mom. Because the reality is that there's a lot of people in the world that are moms and dads that, that don't deserve the title that they, they have. No, you see, I look up to my dad and to my mom because of the way that they love each other and the way that they serve my family and love my family unconditionally without qualifiers. The same way that when I look at Jesus... And I look at what he's done and I look at his death on the cross and the service that he did to me. The servanthood that he, he gave without any qualifier, without any, ex, any expectation of, of me doing anything in return. It leads me to this place of authentic and true worship. It leads me to this place where I'm just so full of gratitude that I begin to worship and praise him for who he is. Because Jesus serves me, I want to praise him with my life and give him everything that I have. But the second thing that I want you to understand and grasp from, from this is that when I watch my dad and my mom and I watch the way that they love each other, they, they love their kids, myself included, and their grandkids, it challenges me to the core. Like that, that makes me want to become a better dad. You know, here my dad is, my dad and, and my mom are, are taking their 29th wedding anniversary to watch my kids. And two hours later, I lose it on my son in the car because he's threw his water bottle for the sixth time. It challenges me to the core to become a better dad because I want to serve my family the way that my dad serves me and serves my brothers and my, my sisters. This is the same thing that happens when we look at Jesus. When we look at that cross, when we look at that ultimate act of sacrifice and the way that Jesus showed servanthood on the cross, it leads us to a place where we want to serve other people. Where we say, you know, because Jesus served me, I want to serve somebody else. I want to serve people the way that Jesus served them because I, I look at the way that he serves them and it challenges me to the core. You see, servanthood leads to sacrifice. And sacrifice leads to more sacrifice. 
When we see people that, that are, are servants, that are serving people and sacrificing for people, we start to want to sacrifice to, for other people. Because Jesus served, I will serve. Because I understand this attribute of God that he is ultimately a servant, a servant king. It makes me want to sacrifice. It makes me want to serve people the way that he has served me so well. Without any qualifier. Without any, wanting anything in return. You know, learning and knowing Jesus it's, it's, it's got to mean more than, than just a couple minor life changes. It's got to change everything that we know about ourselves. Our lives need to change. Let's pray. Father God, you are good and gracious. God, I thank you for that, what you did on the cross, God, that ultimate act of servant, servanthood, God. And I just ask right now that you, God, that you make us servants the way that you are, that we would love and serve people the way that you did. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for joining us on the Central and Janesville podcast. Remember to check us out at centraljanesville.com. Have a great week.